Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you on Monday with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. So lots to talk about from the weekend, specifically the schedule that came out right after we wrapped up the weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Aside from who and when Nebraska got teams, the griping on social media was, hurry the hell up! Took a little while. And uh, Elijah, you jumped on Twitter with a wonderful gif of someone getting absolutely boxed below the belt as an ode to Nebraska's schedule. Do you have something to say about Nebraska's schedule? Uh, I was more frustrated with it at the time than I am now. Time is gone. I have settled. And I'm looking at the schedule a little bit more reasonably. But right whenever it dropped, wow, that was a kick to the nuts. Listen. You knew this was going to happen. And you knew that Nebraska's schedule, if based off of comments by those in power, i.e. Purdue's athletic director, right? You've already had two schedules. This is the third. Okay? And how many... How many third versions of something are great? Back to the Future 1, awesome. Back to the Future 2, really good. Back to the Future 3, pretty solid. Rocky 3 was pretty solid. Rocky 4 was better. But Rocky 3 was good. But Godfather 3 sucked. American Pie 3 sucked. Scream 3, eh. Scary movie? Just depends on what uh, Baywatch star they inserted the first five minutes. I was happy. So, you knew this thing was going to hurt a lot because before the pandemic hit what were we saying man with the original schedule with the final five the final five was gonna be can nebraska crank out six or seven wins before they get to ohio state and penn state and wisconsin and iowa and minnesota to close it was always going to be about those five and the order was set pre-covid You were going to get those five, and you were going to get them consecutively. COVID hit. Things loosened up a bit. There's a second schedule released that seemed, all right, this could work. You trade out uh, for for, for Michigan State. Rutgers was going to be your opener, right? Yeah, Rutgers was going to be your opener. And look, it's a no-brainer. Rutgers is more beatable than Penn State. Yay. But the feedback and the people I've talked to, they first kind of scoff about, well, that's going to be tough. But then their, 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 their Husker mode kind of kicks in and says, bring it on. We're bleeping Nebraska. Well, we used to be bleeping Nebraska, and Frosty is trying to get Nebraska back there. So I don't have a problem with the schedule. You can be frustrated with how it's stacked, specifically your, your first four out of the gate. Listen, man, I'm not thinking that they're gonna. They're, I'm not thinking they're gonna even split their first two games. If they do, I'm not shocked by it. 
But is the time now or what to start not just competing, but beating Wisconsin, Iowa? The, the East is the East, all right? James Franklin and, and, and Ohio State recruited a different level than most programs in the country. They just do. And it's nothing to be scared of. It's nothing to be fearful of. There's just a difference in talent level. And Nebraska's working on kind of closing that gap. We'll see. Let's go play the game. Let's see how it can shake out. Okay? I don't think Nebraska would do themselves any favors by by getting... You're going to have a better win-loss record theoretically if you get Rutgers instead of Penn State. But you've got a, a group of guys... On the offensive line, you've got a quarterback, you've got some, some skilled guys, and you've got some talent on the defensive side of the ball, plus an experienced secondary. Why not this year go give them hell? You're not far removed from almost beating Ohio State at Ohio State. The team that went and won the Rose Bowl was 13-1 and two years ago. You get a little bit better connection between Adrian and Spielman in that third quarter on a go route. It was just out, out of his reach. And you're back up, and you're back up double digits. You don't turn it over inside the 10 out of the gate on the old RPO that was a fumble. And I'm not like just trying to, to pour salt. I'm just saying you were close two years ago to a team that wasn't a national championship competitor. They got blown out by, by Purdue, but they were damn good to be 13-1, and one, all right? So let's just see how, how you hang in this third year. Let's see how you hang in this 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 god-awful COVID year. And I think that's going to be the message for Frost. I don't think you're going to see players or coaches. You're not going to see it publicly, but I don't even think you'll see it privately. You're not going to see anyone bitching and moaning that, oh my God, we got to open up at Ohio State and in Wisconsin. Good. You know, you could have easily thrown in Iowa or Wisconsin, not Wisconsin playing Wisconsin, but if you're if you're Nebraska, you get a chance to be seen by the nation. Three out of your next four, three out of your first four games. You want to talk about recruiting uptick? You want about kind of narrowing the gap? Get some eyeballs on you, and get some interest created through your play calling, through your defense, through some of the playmakers you have. Showcase yourself, man. I mean. It's a, it's an advertisement opportunity, and oh yeah, by the way, go go get a win. So Bill Moose spoke to the Journal Star. I love the Moose, man. The reason football is back, part of the reason football is back, is because Bill Moose wouldn't take no. He fought. I love him for doing that because I love football. I love covering football. I know there's 1.8, 1.9 million fans around this state that. Would, would uh, have a cup of coffee with Bill, have a drink with Bill, or have a piece of pie with Bill, honestly. But when, when he speaks out about fairness, he's not wrong. He's not wrong about the fact that it needed to be said instead of assumed. You've got your, your athletic director out there just, just reminding with the narrative. It, it, you can take it a hundred different ways. And, and a lot of folks have taken it as whining or bemoaning. And Pat Forty sharpened his knife up again and started stabbing away at Nebraska again. Bill Moose isn't wrong about saying that they're going to have a good football team this year. Bill Moose isn't wrong about being positive about the progress and the guys staying ready. And Bill Moose isn't wrong about Nebraska you know, being a team that 
that could make a jump this year. But you're just not going to you, you, you may not see it in the first four. And then here's this storm. Here's this negative national reaction. What's going to be every halftime or what's going to be part of every game day? Well, you know, Nebraska whined a lot and complained a lot, and they're getting smoked. That, that's, that's the fear. Are you ready to, to compete against Penn State? Are you ready to compete against Ohio State? Are you ready to win those games? Don't know. You need to be. You need to be better. And that's what the head coach and his players will openly, I'm sure, acknowledge. But the thing with this is, it, 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 the way Nebraska could get painted nationally, you don't want it to set the program back with just getting embarrassed on TV. Think of, think of last year's Ohio State game with game day here. You got dismantled. And you had a, you had a, a team in a bad spot mentally. All right? So... He's not wrong with the timing of this, but you just gotta, you can't make it look or let anyone twist it into whining. And, and I don't think Nebraska's whining. I mean, I just think Bill Moose is sticking up for his guys and saying, look, uh, there's no favors, no breaks. So it may not look pretty early, but Bill Moose no doubt thinks these guys will round into form. I, I think after the schedule came out, you can say, hey, it's tough, and we didn't have much say with the scheduling. TV had something to do with it, and there we are. Nebraska's crossover is super difficult. His point of wanting to have West Division games count for just the division title only is not a new take. Jerry Donato's campaign for that since they re-switched the divisions. Because Nebraska could beat everybody in the West and even split with, with Penn State, Ohio State, let's just be super optimistic for five seconds. And say, say you have one loss. Say, are, say, say you're, say you're uh, seven, say you're seven and two. All right? Say you're, say you're five and two, but you get beat by the, the East teams, but you beat everybody in the West. Say you get edged out even though you have a head-to-head win over the West. That's something that I think in this crazy-ass year, you have something to, to, to kind of campaign for. The West, the, the best team out of the West should go to Indy and, and separate your crossovers. That's not how it's been done, and that's not how they're doing it this year. But Nebraska is at a disadvantage to win the West because of who their crossovers are, and that's not the case for everybody. The East is the East. you got to be just strong as hell to get out of the East and win the East and survive whoever your crossover is in the West. You've seen teams like Iowa and Purdue go pinata on Ohio State a couple of times or ruin Michigan. Uh, Penn State's been stung before. It happens. This league has no days off. It is, every week's difficult, but some weeks are more difficult than others. The way I see it, looking at this schedule, if I'm a Husker player, I'm loving this. Yeah, that's why you sign up. Compare it to the original schedule, I would much rather have my four toughest games be the first four games of the season. The, the drain of a long season is a very real thing. Injuries build up. I mean, even you're working through a semester, homework builds up. You get tired of going to practice every single day. Whereas now, you have the best team on your schedule week one. You get four weeks to prepare for them. And guess what? The national media has been talking all uh, talking a storm about Nebraska. And it's not favorable. It's not favorable. And, and it can't. And I think Moose's fear is if you start out one and three or worse, 
that 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 chant is only going to get louder and Nebraska is going to be made a joke nationally. But if I'm a player, I'm going out there to prove all those guys wrong. Exactly. I have got bulletin board from now till the end of whenever the hell my junior year's done because I'm apparently getting three junior years now or two because your 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 eligibility clock is hit pause. No, I listen, man. And Colin Miller's right on us against the world. I know that was popular under the Polini era. You can use that this year because everyone's made funny. Everyone's kind of jazzed. Everyone's shook their finger at you. Everyone's shook their head at you because you've screamed to play football. The, 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 the narrative Saturday should have been, this is awesome. We get to play football. And I think for the most part, that is. But you can twist what, what the Moose said to the journal a little bit as complaining or whining. And Derek Peterson knocked it out by saying, the optics don't look good. And then you got Pat Forty doing his freaking thing. And he's always been a smug snot. Okay? Even when he's been on the show, it's like, well, he's doing us a favor. This is years ago. He's, he's good at his job. He is good at getting attention for Sports Illustrated. He's good at getting attention for college football, but he is thin-skinned, and he is absolutely making it personal against Nebraska. And that's exactly what Desmond Howard is and anyone else who's felt the wrath of Nebraska fandom. Just kind of asking the question, why are you you saying this? Immediately comes the, the Twitter block. So my advice whether you want the two cents of it or not, is to, to stop reading 40 and commenting. Just ignore him. And there goes, how, how, many, how many times has Nebraska fans clicked on a 40 story just to get ticked off and then send a tweet at him, either to get blocked or get it off their chest and stick up for their program? It's noble, but that's what he wants. He wants the attention. He wants the response. He wants his bosses at Sports Illustrated to say, how many zeros are behind your check? Why are we still paying you? You've jumped around a lot in your career as a national college football columnist, and you see him on BTN, and he sits down there, and he's a Missouri grad, so don't kid yourself. That has something to do with it. So the takeaways from Saturday, Nebraska did get the toughest draw. Let's move on beyond Ohio State for just a second. I mean, it's is it just me or do you feel as a Nebraska fan, despite the scoreboard, things have gotten and felt a little bit better going against Wisconsin? I think so. I know you were right there two years under the Riley era, two of the three years. But I'll say this. You've done really well offensively against Wisconsin. Your defense needs to get better, clearly. Obvious. But Let's see where Wisconsin's at week two. Let's see where the badges are at. And you get them here. Now, it sucks you can't go watch in person, but at least they come here versus going there. You're probably going to get Iowa on Black Friday. That's nice. All right? And you know what? Purdue's a winnable game on the road. (laughs) I know you can't say that with a straight face anymore because it was said in year one. It pissed Brahm off. (laughs) Don't say winnable game around Purdue fans because they're, they're just go play football and go win some games. You've got talent. You've got some really good talent there. You've got some really good coaches, and it'll make you stronger. There were some years I'd, I'd look at the the Nebraska schedule, and this was in the Big Twelve era where Nebraska's like an inch away from a national championship or a better day in Austin away from a national championship. And I see how the the, the schedule closed out for Nebraska in '99. 
I think it was Kansas State. I think it was A&M. This was Kansas. And then they had Texas. I mean, October through November. Then you end with Colorado. It was tough. And you're like, can they get through that? And, and yes was the answer. They did, they did well. But that's just how it is. And by now, we should be used to it in the Big Ten. There's no days off, no weeks off. It's tough. Illinois can beat Wisconsin. You better bring your hard hat and lunch pail every day. So don't whine about the schedule. I don't think you are. And I think Nebraska fans are realistic about what this year could look like win-wise versus how much better they are. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! I'm at Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. Uh, in the second hour, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, less than one hour away, a little bit after five. Bobby Carpenter, part of the Morning Juice, a former Ohio State Buckeye and seven-year NFL vet. We'll hit uh, Ohio State, Nebraska, week one. I loved what I saw on social media when it came to stepbrothers. And uh, Nebraska and Ohio State, it was too bad that Ohio State, uh, Brennan, was bearing Nebraska Dale in the backyard. Uh, Lars Anderson also going to be with us at 540. Greg Smith kicks us off, recruiting insider uh, with HaleVarsity.com, at GregSmithHV on Twitter. Greg, uh, busy weekend. Good to see you and Dr. Petey Friday night. What a ball game between prep and southeast and you had Prep get hot in that fourth quarter. You had Rollins make a big-time touchdown catch. But, man, uh, that was as good a game as uh, I've seen in a while. And what are your thoughts here as, as you were there to check out some of the prospects in state? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that being a really good game. I feel like I, I have been like the blowout curse here lately. Every game I've been to, I think this season has been a blowout. So I'm really happy to have an exciting action. Um, that was It was a really well-played game and a lot of talent and intriguing players um, on the field. I'll start kind of with, with A.J. Rollins. Is I, I like what I saw out of him both at tight end when he got opportunities and on defense um, and kind of the specialty packages um, that they run for him on defense where he kind of comes in as kind of a, a third down pass rusher, at least maybe for now while he gets his legs under him. As the season gets underway for them, they had a little bit of an interruption uh, a couple of weeks ago. But there's, a, there's also some, some nice players on Southeast, too. The, I feel like every time I see them, I, I come away thinking that they've got really good offensive lines and defensive lines, especially that offensive line. Um, and they have that again. Uh, Jake Applegate yeah. is a player um, that, man, I'm, I'm really excited to see how he develops. 2022 kid. Plays a lot of safety right now, but I'm intrigued on him. Uh, for maybe even inside linebacker or outside linebacker at 6'4", 210, um, with some good testing numbers as a sophomore. More uh, last year, and he's just continued to get better um, as a 2022 prospect. They've got some some exciting young players. Apple gets nice. Uh, Butenbach's a phenomenal player, just a sophomore, yeah. and uh, he's already playing for Will Bolt. But that kid can play some ball, and uh, great family. So no, I mean, and then East and Southeast are Thursday night, and and that'll be a party. Can't wait for that. What's your take on Rollins? And, and we've heard this this kind of murmur like all right dude do some more and, and i'm not knocking the kid i'm just saying we hear that where mm-hmm. 
take over, man. And and it finally came. And they need to get him the football and perhaps acknowledge that. And they, they started doing that at least in that fourth quarter. But, I mean, Rollins, if, if he just kind of cut loose or at least get the opportunity, there'd probably be some more wow factor associated with him, don't you think? Yeah, I absolutely think that. And I'm really happy for that I got a chance to see him play in person versus just kind of seeing the stats and kind of hearing what other people say um, about him because it's hard sometimes. I think you get in your mind that every kid – that's a, that's a recruit or a big time uh, commit or something like that to Nebraska is just out there dominating every week, which and it happens a lot. But also there are other factors that go into it, um, and so it's and it's also really interesting for me having watched Thomas Fedoni so often this year, and then kind of going to AJ Rollins and seeing that it's not necessarily that you know he's out there dropping passes or he's got bad body language or anything like that. He's just not getting the football. Like he really doesn't get involved enough. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that once they started going to him a little bit more, at least using him even as a decoy, um, they started moving the football a lot better. Um, And he even said after the game that he's continued to beat the drum, that he needs to get the ball more. But there's also a fine line there is you don't want to be a malcontent. You want to just do what's best for your team. Um, So I think he's he's handling it well. Uh, But hopefully they continue to find ways to get him the football. He's a good player. Well, it helped the quarterback finally got hot. You know, the quarterback had a tough game. So let's talk about Carney down at Norris. And I think he's an awesome player player and you had the Iowa offer and you got other schools looking at him where, where do things stand with Nebraska and Carney? and any more offers come through for Carney? Uh, he got Kansas State here recently, um, and I think that they're they're a real strong player for him right now. Um, he's still kind of talking to Nebraska. Unfortunately, with the with the situation with Scott Frost, uh, Father Larry passing away, I don't believe that Scott Frost has had a chance to speak with James uh, since the last time that he kind of Carney and, and Sean Beckton were able to connect. So I don't know for sure like if, if Nebraska has made any more progress toward an offer. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska doesn't kind of stand pat. Um, because they also need to uh, the rest of those spots that are in the class are really I think earmarked for defense Um, then it's just unfortunate given how much Carney wants to play for Nebraska it's out there everyone knows it at this point Um, and that I I can see both sides of the argument about trying to make a spot and make room for him in the class Um, but I'm just not sure it's going to work out at this point but you, you never know things change rapidly in recruiting. Greg Smith's with us, recruiting insider, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Greg, you've seen uh, the classes pile up from Coach Frost. You know what's on the roster now. You know how the development's been going with Duval and company. And I want to just jump off of recruiting for a second and, and talk about development and production and then application as we look at this 2020 version 3 schedule and you've heard the outcry by some what the heck the big 10 do (laughs) others are like hey man it was going to be a tough 2020 anyway bring it on let's see where nebraska is at how are you looking at 2020 when you look at just the craziness that that is and knowing some of the kids you've talked to over the years that now have been in the program a couple three years you know, uh, what do you think they think of the schedule? I mean, sorry to ask you to read minds, but I'm just I'm curious. I mean, you either know a kid's a competitor or he isn't, right? Right, and that's what I, that's what I used to use at work. I was going to say I get the feeling um, 
that the kids on the team are, are excited to play football and they don't really care who they get to play. They just want to play someone um, and they know that they're going to, to get Nebraska back to where everyone around here thinks it needs to be, they're going to have to beat some of these tough teams anyway, right? And I, I think that they're ready for that challenge because I think that this team in general has just been continuing to prepare and work out and try and put themselves in the best position possible for if and when football was going to happen. I mean, the other, one of the things that I think that kind of gets lost in all of this, will they play, won't they play, is Nebraska as a team should have a real giant chip on their shoulder um, from not having played very well for the last few years. But also, you're starting to get to the point to where these guys are not going to want to be let their legacy at Nebraska be known for the guys that didn't go to a bowl game or the guys that couldn't get the Native Suns team back and over the hump. Like, those things start to weigh on you, um, and it's just another log to the fire uh, for motivation uh, going forward. But I do think that this is the year three is typically a year in which you see you can see a jump, especially kind of in today's college football. Um, but I think it'll be it kind of a we just need to see progress kind of a year. It's hard to put an actual win total or anything like that, not that you ask me to. But I think that you, you end up in a situation where the team just needs to show improvement um, and how that ends up looking will be determined down the road. Greg, with the news about the extension of the recruiting dead period, you look at this Nebraska schedule, and there are some great games you think, wow, if we had official visits, that that would be a great opportunity for Nebraska. If we had a home game, wait a minute, we do. Oh, hold on, no one can watch in person. Exactly. Uh, Greg, do you have a read on how Nebraska is going to try to still recruit guys through these weekends? Man, you are you are reading my mind. I feel, I feel like you were looking at my computer after I before I hopped on here. I'm writing a little bit about that for the notebook tonight. Um, I think they're going to end up doing something similar to what they did with virtual visits, where they try to have some sort of virtual game day experience um, or something. Like you have to be able to try to do something because you're right. Like I, I finally sat down and really like looked at which games were home and away um, because it really doesn't matter all that much. I looked and I'm like, man, if you were to have your season your home opener against Wisconsin a team that is always good that you you know had a little bit of a shot with last year that you're going to have to get over the hump with to be able to contend in the division that would be a huge recruiting weekend so would a Penn State game right like and there's others on the schedule so yeah they're, they're definitely going to have to work on something and then it wouldn't surprise me if they, they come up with some sort of virtual game day visit because you need to be able to show off some of these things um, as best you can Greg Smith's with us, recruiting insider, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Greg, a thought on uh, where Nebraska's at on for some of the 2022 kids, and specifically you've got uh, Caden uh, out of Kansas. Uh, who's Who else is chasing him? Caden Crawford is who I'm talking about. And where's Nebraska sit with some, some of the other prospects here for 2022? How's that looking? Yeah, there's a couple of linebackers actually out of Kansas. Uh, Kansas and Missouri are strong this year. So, Peyton Crawford, the outside linebacker, um, who just took a, a virtual visit uh, with Nebraska. He's got Kansas State and a couple others after him. Um, same thing for uh, Gavin Mays, or Gavin Hayes, sorry, who's mm-hmm. an inside linebacker out of Kansas. He's another really good player. I feel like every time he puts a highlight out, he's just running through dudes. Uh, so, that's the kind of kid that you like to see um, at, at inside linebacker. Um, there's also Quentin Conley out of 
Missouri. He's a 2022 wide receiver, a big-bodied kid. He's like 6'4", 6'5", 210. He's another kid that Nebraska is sitting well with, and Notre Dame and others are chasing on him. And I think that another thing, and I feel like it's been a broken record, but it's the best time to have this, is that the radius, the area around Nebraska is going to be strong again in 2022. And that can only help Nebraska because, they they've identified these kids early and they've been building those relationships. Um, but also it becomes a little bit easier to get those guys on campus whenever it is that you'll be able to get them on campus again. Um, so I think Nebraska is well positioned with a lot of kids in the region. Greg, quick thought. we got about a minute left here. Uh, but I saw some Twitter rumors today, and I know you should never read too far into Twitter rumors, but some Husker fans have convinced themselves that maybe Avante Dickerson's uh, commitment to Minnesota has softened up in recent weeks. Do you think there's anything to that? Uh, no, I don't know. Um, I, I do not know that um, myself, so I don't know. Um, it would not surprise me if Nebraska continued to recruit him. They do this often, and we've talked about this uh, for the last couple of years. One thing that Nebraska, if they really like a kid, they even if they commit, they don't really stop recruiting them. They're not obnoxious about it. They're not pushy. They just essentially do what they were doing before the kid committed, which is say, hey, we want to continue to get to know you and your family and continue building that relationship. And then, oh, by the way, if something happens with your commitment down the road, we're right here for you. And they've done a good job with that. So I'm sure they're doing that with Avante as well. Because anytime you have a four-star kid uh, in your backyard that has that type of speed and athleticism, um, and he's like really close friends with Kobe Bretts, another commit in your class, you probably don't want to just ignore him, even though he's committed currently to Minnesota. Gotta love it, Greg Smith. Greg, will uh, you get to be out of East Southeast on Thursday? Um, I, now that you mentioned it, I may have to. I have a, an opening now. I was going to be at Seth Malcolm's game in Tabor on Friday, um, but they had a cancellation mm. I do because of COVID, so i got to figure out where I'm going this week. So right, right now I'm TBD. Just jump on in the uh, the old booth, buddy. We'll see you this week. Take care, <laughs> Greg. Thanks so much, bud. Thanks, good, stuff from, good stuff from Greg Smith. Coming up, uh, Bobby Carpenter, part of the Ohio State uh, Brass uh, on the way. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging. We'll do some NFL here. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Still time for you to jump in. Thoughts on the schedule 3.0 and uh, how you feel about Nebraska's chances here. Are you at four and four? Are you three and five? A little worse than that? A little better than that? I haven't decided yet. I will. Go full ink with my prediction here. Give me a couple of weeks as we get closer to you know being able to have practice reports and the guys being able to hit one another back uh, as we get closer to September 30th. A reminder about buckling up. Nearly 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing seatbelts. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce that risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense and any crash buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Numbers get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. This has been an exhausting, emotional journey for a lot of Nebraska fans. And, of course, the brass, you have football back, you have the schedule, bring it on, put your best foot forward. That's kind of my synopsis on it, but... Speaking of foot, how about Greg the Leg, the pride of pious? I got a funny story about watching Dallas yesterday. The Cowboys looked dead. They came back to life. Incredible uh, onside kick by Greg Zerline. And then the game winner here 
Uh, Brad Sham nailed the call, and Greg DeLeg, the pride of Pius, did in the Dirty Birds. No timeouts. Good snap. Good hold. 46 yards. Yes, sir. Kiss that pig. The final score, Dallas 40, Atlanta 39. Kiss that pig. That's probably what my wife was thinking on prom night about me. (laughs) So here's what we got. (laughs) I mean, Jerry would have gone off. Everyone would have been grounded and no one would have got their allowance this week. I kind of kid. But I'm sitting at a a, uh, local establishment with Uncle Andy and Chandler the nephew, and they're both in their Dallas gear. And uh, Uncle Andy's wife and and two little girls were there. And bless their heart, a tornado had been through our little corner of the world with with young ones. So Mama takes off with the two little girls. And Mama puts her cell phone on top of her SUV and forgets it. We're talking like something about Mary, oops, let's put the dog on top of the car. So game's getting good. It's down to a five-point ball game. And we did not get the Dallas game at, at either one of our homes. We don't have Sunday package, okay, or whatever it's called. So we had to go drink beer and eat food at some place and watch this game. And we get the phone call, right, as the fourth quarter is getting great. Uh, I need, Chris, I need you to take Andy and Chandler home. We got to go get mom a new phone. So I, I heard about the kick around the world as I was getting ready to watch New England. <laughs> in seattle but hey you 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 step up when called upon as as a husband and father not me uncle andy i would have said tough i would have stayed and watched the game and ordered another beer but really cool onside by zerline and then the game winner i thought that i mean dallas didn't fix but it's better than zero and two yeah, I wasn't watching the game either. Uh, I do have sunday ticket and i gave up hope on the cowboys new buddy uh, I I have to pay up on some steak and a beer, so maybe maybe some Sunday ticket at my house with some steak and beer. Bags. Yeah, I'll bring the steak and the beer. Absolutely, down. Let's do it. Good, good. You have cats? Uh, one cat, one dog. Deal breaker. Ooh, uh, I can bring my laptop over to your place and hook up the Sunday ticket if you got an HDMI cable. Better plan. And then, and and, and <laughs> you're bringing the steak and the beer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, go to Kansas City. This was incredible, Butker was awesome was watching this with junior as i mean it looked like andy reed was going to rip his his shield off and go attack somebody because kansas city kept having awful penalties they were there they were there they were knocking on the door recycled yardage kick it again harrison kick it again harrison finally four times the charm and the second time from 58 He's had plenty of leg on the first two attempts. Butker's kick is up. He lines it up. The kick is long enough. It is good! Harrison Butker, money, 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 penalty. Try to freeze him. He thaws the Chargers with a 23-20 walk-off 58-yard field goal, tying a Chiefs record. He just bombed that, and it's cool because the guy is unfazed. And I heard him on Pat McAfee. It's like, yeah, dude, I've just been doing extra weights and I don't get tired anymore. And I've added X, you know, X number of of yards to my distance and I just don't really get nervous. I mean, I I get angry at the ball and I, I pull the disrespect card when someone tries to ice me. And what's funny is you had a penalty on the first and the right guard flinched. 
I'm like, oh, man, they're moving it back. I know he just hit from 58, but how many times does a guy bomb one from 58 successfully? Everyone's got the leg, you would think. Most have the leg, but it's the accuracy thing. And, <laughs> and then they, they freeze him, so he had to drill three of them. That's incredible. It's like there's... This may miss, and he crushed him all three times. Did you see the angle of the isolation cam on him whenever he kicked the kick? He didn't even watch it go through the uprights. No, he knew it. He turned around and stuck his arms up. He knew. He knew he hit it pure. He knew he hit it. It's it's like that when you, it doesn't happen real often for me, but that golf shot you hit. I was going to say, it reminds me of Steph Curry whenever he shoots a three in the corner and turns around and taunts the bench. He knows it's going in. There's just that. There has been those moments, very few for me, but either when you know something's going to work out how you want it to on the athletic field and i mean like you hit a putt you know it's got a shot or you, you hit one clean uh, a second shot on an approach uh clearly different field goal but pretty impressive this was incredible last night uh, mama and junior were freaking out with seattle able to hang on against new england and he's going to take it himself and he doesn't get in and the seahawks are going to win the game Tell you what, man, Seattle was really good offensively with Russell Wilson in that receiving core, but their defense is good, as Jamal Adams is for them. I'm not hating, and I'm not a big Cam guy, but I'm not hating Cam Newton with New England. They got too predictable, and I guess I understand, well, it doesn't matter if they know what's coming, you still got to stop it. I love that mentality. I would have... I would have uh, gone back to the play action to one of the fat tight ends New, New England has that they scored off of the previous time. Because, I, I mean, I get putting Cam in that full house look and letting him just bulldoze in. He got chopped down. The corner that came in did a great job of defeating a block and then chopping Cam down. I thought Cam, if he would have gone a little – and this is like total nitpickiness – but if he would have gone like full bore – I mean, he, he kind of stutter-stepped. He wasn't getting downhill at 266.5. Even if you get hit at the two, it's a corner hitting you because the linebackers are neutralized. I thought Cam should have ran better, honestly, on that last play. I had a friend texting me during that last play because uh, he had a money line on the Seahawks, and it was the last game in his 16 parlay. Okay. And he was just terrified because I was Because it was three him. and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, well, he had the money line, so okay. so all he needed was a Seahawks win. And I told him Saturday night, I said he needed one more team, and I said Seahawks lock Sunday night football. I said Russell Wilson's going to be way this year. And I was I was a little terrified for him, but he made off with some money. That was so much fun yesterday watching NFL. Dallas at the buzzer, Seattle at the goal line, and Butker three times the charm. We'll wind down hour one. Charlie McBride's coming up. Uh, We'll hear from Lars Anderson, Bobby Carpenter next hour from Ohio State. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt's coming up in 10 minutes. Get his thoughts on the schedule, on the season, the blowback. And the uh, the outlook, man. Hey, football is coming. Bobby Carpenter, he's part of the morning juice on the fan out of Columbus. Seven-year NFL vet. We'll talk some NFL and, of course, Nebraska-Ohio State bromance. And quite honestly, Bobby Carpenter is pretty locked in with how things got moving behind the scenes 
from Ohio State. And our dear friend Lars Anderson, Lars, uh, national writer, of course, New York Times bestselling author, a lot of years covering college football. Lars uh, may, may sound off on the Big Ten, just, just a, a little bit, schedule-wise. So if you're moving in 2020, West Blue Realty can make things pretty less stressful for you, all right? Now, moving is a headache. It's brutal. But are you looking for that residential home in Lincoln or surrounding community? West Blue Realty can get that taken care of for you. Uh, when you mention Hale Varsity, West Blue can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a shot at 402-540-3768 or Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. WestBlueRealty.com. Get an appointment set with uh, Tom or Kelly today, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Uh, our friend... And uh, listener, uh, Dan, has chimed in. And Dan says, the only thing I hate about the front-loaded schedule will be if and when they allow fans, all the high-profile games will be done. I get that. It's way better to watch Wisconsin and be able to watch Wisconsin uh, later in the year. But... Let's be straight. I mean, this should be Cincinnati week, okay? It isn't. But at least we're we're getting Penn State and, and Wisconsin at home. We're, I, I have never suited up. When I say we're, I'm talking Nebraskans. And I think there'll be fans in the stands. I think there'll be fans in the stands by week three or by, by, by week four. I do. My take on it, though, is if we... God forbid, if there's some bad results early in the schedule, at least we don't have to watch it in person. You can turn the channel and you can turn the channel, find a better game. Um, And then my other take on is that if those teams do happen to blow us out at the beginning of the season, you can learn more from those games and and take them into the to the end of the season. Do you get better and do you finish strong? I mean, say say you you take your lumps and you start one and three. All right. But there, you, you get better each week. And I, God, this sucks. Like I'm saying that here's an extra ribbon. Here's a ribbon. Here. It's not how I am. I honestly look at this football team and where they're at. By the end of the year, they could be four and four or better. And say you're not playing in Indy. Well, I don't think a lot of us were expecting a Big Ten West championship anyway in, in year three after how last year went, honestly. Right? There's still some, some watering that needs to happen with this football team. Some growth, some development, some depth. It's true. And, and it'll happen. And it'll happen soon. And I hate telling you to wait and be patient, but I don't think you, you got your arms around it. This isn't passing the buck on Scott or anybody, but things were screwed up, awfully screwed up culturally with the last regime and last administration. Okay, That takes a long time to undo, and they started to undo it. Coach McBride's on the way. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Thanks for hanging out. Welcome into Hour 2 at Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're going to check in with Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride, Mondays with Charlie. Lots to hear from Coach on when it comes to schedule. Moving forward, getting football, that green light, and yes, the national backlash. So we'll talk to Coach about that. So if you missed it, the and and I think uh, our, our friends on Husker Max titled it, titled it appropriately. It's the forty yard bash, not dash, when it comes to Pat Forty, and uh, he starts off his column about uh, Nebraska's complaints, and he absolutely sharpens up the knife. Says, "My, how the Huskers have fallen." You've uh, really got ahead to Nebraska for finally figuring out where it stands in the football hierarchy. The Huskers are just a piece of the background furniture, part of the scenery, another mediocre program out trying to scrape its way to bowl eligibility for the first time in four years. They've been a subpar member of the Big Ten, and they've finally overcome their own institutional arrogance long enough to acknowledge it. He gets in there on Bill Moose. He gets in there on Nebraska and makes some insinuations towards Coach Frost. Man, it is uh, getting getting heated by a national columnist who doesn't like all this social media backlash and getting called out by Nebraska fans. Let's welcome in Mr. Blackshirt, a multiple-time national champion, defensive coordinator, and I'm sure he celebrated this weekend. That'll be the theme of our two, celebrating that football's back. Coach McBride's with us. Coach, what uh, what did you think of Saturday once you, you got the schedule? Well, I thought the commissioner said, I'm going to fix Nebraska. I'll put them right over there at, Penn, at uh, Ohio State right away. <laughs> I'm going to fix Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> and then the funny thing about it is Ohio State's going to lose, and and that's going to really make him mad. <laughs> so, wow. So you're calling it for us. Good for well, you, Coach. I'm just telling you, those are the kind of things that happen. I bet. You know, that's just the way things work in this world. That You know, people think that this guy's going to do this and this guy's going to do that, and I would guess that probably Ohio State's going to be um, half of those kids, the younger ones, will be rolling their hats on the field, and the, the older guys will be ready to play because they have to if they want to ever make any money. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, you know, it, it, it can be a split bag. And then with a bunch of young players that really want to prove themselves, you know, it can be a, you know, it could turn out to be, you know, a, a pretty, pretty nasty deal for them if they don't, uh, you know, come ready to play. And I'm sure that the good thing about the whole thing was, is it's probably that it goes back to the same thing and it goes back to um, Nebraska and Iowa and Ohio State sticking up kind of for each other. And those are the good things you see about the, you know, about the Big Ten sometimes, and you know, sometimes the other, the other eleven or twelve feel left out a little bit. You know that they didn't stand up and have the guts to do it. And so, um, you know, I'm, 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 I was, I was happy about it. If it, if we can just keep everybody clean, sure, 
and everything, you know. And and, and there's going to be some things, that, you know, that are that uh, I I was just talking to Bill Kenny, who's up at Western Michigan, and they're they're in a different conference, and of course that's the MAC, and they 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 feel like they're going to end up starting about the same time. The Big Ten, they they don't know, but they think they have a good chance to you know fall in line with the same with the Big Ten kind of schedule, you know, eight or nine games or whatever it is. And, you know, so he was, they, they're about ready to practice, but they had a big hit up there with about 15 kids. Oh, really? You know, that got 15, what did he say, 15 or, I had 15 of them that were minor, kind of just had it, and then they had, they had one that was really sick, and then they had three that were in the middle, kind of. Yeah. You know, but they're all, that's over. That's all past now. And uh, so it's all, and, and then our area here, uh, it's really, really dead. I mean, it's, you know, unless something happens. But around here, there's been a lot of people that hang out together. I mean, people live so different, far apart mm-hmm. from each other in most cases, unless you're living right in the cities. And the, that's where Kalamazoo, Detroit, and all of those are the ones that get, you know, usually get the big, big hits. Coach, I want you to put your coach hat on here whenever you're looking at this Ohio State matchup week one. And when you're looking at that, would you be happy that you get Ohio State with all the quality of their players on a whole month of, of practice before to prepare for them? Or would you be worried about Ohio State being able to capitalize on week one mistakes? <laughs> you won't know what they're running with it. You know, when you get a different quarterback and you get a different thing, they fit the, They pretty much fit their offense to who their quarterback's mm-hmm. going to be. And uh, you know, I mean, it's not new, but it's 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 a, that's kind of the, the the realm of what's really happened. I I just think it's a great. I I mean, I to me, I think that's the best. I I'd rather go play a team like that than I would somebody I know we can beat. <laughs> you know, because then you don't know. You don't know where your kids are coming from now. They, they're they're going to be on their toes and they're going to be ready to rip. And um, you know, I I think, you know, just in my thinking uh, of, of, of I would I would hit I, a lot of those kids weren't there, but when they played Michigan, they were intimidated. Mm-hmm. A couple and years ago, thing, yeah, yeah. And 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 that that was kind of sad because it wasn't a Nebraska team, and you know it, it. You know everybody else, Indiana, and everybody else played played Michigan and played them tough and played them. You know it was, you know it was kind of a deal. Where and I think playing Ohio State is is, you know you you in the long run you may be talking to two of the, you know top four teams in this conference. I mean you know when you're when you mess with. Ohio State and, and Wisconsin and, and and Michigan and and Nebraska. You're you know I think you know when it all when it all bails out, if everything, I would think if everything goes right, it's going to be those four teams that you got to look out for. Well, the thing that's interesting is you had Bill Moose talking Saturday about you know Nebraska didn't get any favors and you know you worry about confidence and. What's progress, and if you're losing, and if you start out, and he didn't say that they were going to lose, but there's a possibility you start out one and three or worse because of who's on your schedule, because of how it's stacked. 
I flip it around. I think this team's ticked off. I think Nebraska's hungry. I think there's some real confidence. They've fought to play. Uh, they right. want they want to they want to make Scott look good for for speaking up. They want to like they want to make Moose look good for speaking up. And they they really want to go play ball. They don't like how things have ended the right. last two years. So well, I think well, they're that, I think they're geared up, man. Yeah, well, that's what starts your motor. I mean, that's the, you know, and I don't know that I I'm not there, so I don't know the feeling of the players as much as even you do. I you know, and I it, but that's that's a that's a key point. I mean they. If, if those kids want to, you know, everybody thinks they're garbage. Let's put it that way. Sure. And that that's a, that's a great thing to have. I mean, you know, you don't like it to be that way, but that that still puts you in a position to 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 motivate your players. You know, to say, hey, you know, we're not we're we're not that. We're better than you think we are, and um, you know, and and stuff like that, and. We're going to show you, you know, and and so I think that's, you know, a lot of times we'd even use that a little bit as you know our fans would get say we're not we're not scoring as many points. You know, you know how it gets. And <laughs> you got a, you got a button and, push, don't you? You know, <laughs> you know it used to be. Well, let's go prove it. You know, sure. you know if you're, if, you know, and uh, you know the only thing is, is I just hope we just. Don't say anything and go play. You know, in other words, just I hear you. I, I got you. You know, I I hope we don't. The one thing I I don't want to hear is we had the best practice we had last than last year, and then this is the best one we had this year, and this is the best one we had. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, but the more you say, the more you got to take back, and you know, and and you, what you're doing is fueling your fans, going like, hey man, we're really getting good, and all of a sudden. You know, you sure. go on the tank, you know, and it doesn't work. And and that goes with your players too, because you know they're not stupid. No. I mean, you know, and um, so anyway, I think a lot of times it's just just go play. Don't say a whole lot. Let everybody else do the talking, and, and then you got nothing to fight back on. And 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 uh, you know, and I I always thought too that you know you just keep the pressure off the players if you don't play well. Coaches blame it on themselves. Sure. I mean, you know, I mean, you don't go say, well, we did this guy sick and this guy this and this guy that. And let the, let somebody else say it. You know, I mean, it'll be said. I mean, I remember when we played Texas and it was a big point. Tom didn't want anybody to know we had the flu. Right. Didn't want an excuse, and, right? And we found out the press knew more numbers than we did. We had 18 guys that had the flu and and you know, I mean, they, they'll find out. You don't have to. You don't have to make an announcement. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, one reason we lost was because of this. And um, you know, Texas was not better than we were. I'll promise you. No, I, it, I, uh, I don't, I don't think so. I didn't, I, and, and I know that that's. Yeah, they they just had one of those days, didn't they? Yeah, along with yeah. the flu. I, I had a laugh. I. I talked to Ralph Brown after the game, and he's a freshman, and he he said, you know, he, he came up and support the run, and the guy ran right straight down the field, and he wasn't covering anybody. And when he comes off the field, what do you say to him? Ralph, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and he's going like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and that, that sounds like a freshman. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's just, 
that, that's just the way it is. I mean, you almost have to laugh at it. It's not funny, but, you know, when you really think about, about kids and, and, you know, some of the things that they come up with, you know, well, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> kind of, you know, it's kind of different. But, you know, I think coaching brings out, out a lot in, 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 in coaches how, what kind of people they really are. And, and the same thing with players. And then I think, you know, um, I go back to the same story Tom Tom told uh, our players one time when I, I a few times I was ever in the locker room was he told the players we you know he told them we don't have to win this game and he said um, but we have to play every play as hard as we can play that's what we have to do and the score will take care of itself and if you do that and you get beat then you know you have nothing to be ashamed of. And and I think, I think that's that's kind of you know the thinking that I think that you know we ought to look at it at, at Nebraska that way. And if we come out ahead, then that's great. And if we play well and play as hard as we can, and the players are satisfied, and the the fans will know, and mm-hmm. and so will the coaches. I mean, if they played hard, and they're going to play hard, you know, it's just it's they you know it's just the, the first game. You're playing one of the best teams in the country, and it's a mistake thing that comes out. It's a turnover thing that comes out. It's, you know, you really have to be disciplined and focused. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie, Mr. Blackshirt, uh, getting ready for football, which is nice to say, finally, and we're talking a little bit about the schedule. Coach, I've got about 90 seconds, but you've had a few of the national media really get in there on Nebraska gotten pretty personal with Nebraska. Is that something you guys ever spent much time dwelling on as a coach? Oh, I guess, you know, you don't, you just let it go. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you, don't fight, don't fight back. You got other things you got to do. You know, I mean, you got to get ready to play. You can't worry about what they're saying and what they're doing. And, you know, I know in a lot of cases some guys are are, are doing it to, to to try to get some more information, to try to just make a story, to make something happen. You know, I mean, it's you know it it, it can end up being any way you want to cut it. But I I and that's where I think when 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 people, you know, I always felt like if you if you guys stink, you know, or you guys are this or that. My answer to them is, well, geez, I'm really sorry you feel that way. <laughs> what are you going to answer? You know, hey, you know, I'm really sorry. It'll all end. I mean, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. And then by underneath your breath, you tell them you're going to get the living snot knocked out of you. And that's how you do it. You, know? you want to step outside? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, right? that's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, just. You know, you can you can stop a lot of that stuff and make them feel bad. You know, I I mean, I had people write me letters and I'd write them back and say, "God, I feel sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way." You know, I we work to do this and do that, or make our program the best we can, and we're just happy with all the people that will stick with the you know with the Huskers. And, you know. you got to go <laughs> overboard with <laughs> kindness, don't you? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well. It doesn't hurt. I mean, it never does hurt. You know, it can't. You could always blow your stack and 
there's been guys that have done that, and it doesn't help you. Yeah, Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie. Coach, it's awesome to talk some football. We'll do it again next Monday. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. I just hope everything goes good back there, and they practice hard and have a lot of fun. I think they will. Coach, you take care. Good to, good okay. to spend time with you. Good. Thank you. Bye now. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Talks from Nebraska, Ohio State, and a standout linebacker with Ohio State, part of the morning juice on 97-1, the fan in Columbus. Bobby Carpenter with us. You watch him on Get Up, and they'll hit some NFL and some college football. Bobby, how'd you celebrate this weekend once that schedule drop happened? Oh, uh, well, you know, it was a kind of a fast and furious about you know, 14 to 10 days before that. I was a little just emotionally exhausted. We had some family stuff coming on, so I sat back, watched some of the college football games that were on. Uh, Watch my former coach, Coach Fick in Cincinnati, beat up Austin P. A little bit NFL, but you know, not too much out of the normal for what the normal uh, normal weekend would be like. Well, what's your take on Nebraska's schedule? I mean, <laughs> folks around here are like, <laughs> you know, uh, bring it on, but they realize that you know Nebraska still may be a work in progress. I got a kick out of the. Uh, the stepbrothers' Twitter back and forth between uh, N- Nebraska and Ohio State. I don't know if you saw that or not, but I thought that was pretty good. But, uh, you know, Ohio State's the favorite and uh, a loaded team. I'll let you get into here in a minute. But uh, what are you thinking if you're Nebraska? Put yourself in the big red shoes. The Big Ten definitely didn't, didn't do them any favors. Like you said, Ohio State out of the gate. I believe there are other crossovers to State, if I'm not mistaken. You're right. Um, yeah, so I mean, they give them the, the two big dogs in the East and you open it with Ohio State. And, you know, the thing is, I love the Twitter back and forth and the banner. Um, I tell you this, most of Buckeye Nation, if not all, are huge Nebraska Cornhuskers Husker fans for helping catapult the season to this point. And I think that there was probably a little bit more uh, conference camaraderie that was formed during this time, especially between you know Nebraska being one of the newer additions and Ohio State. So they didn't do them any favors. I think they, they may have even been punitive in nature, and that's kind of unfortunate. But you know, I, I know Scott Frost is doing a good job. They're, they're working there. This may not have the tangible results. You know, from a win-loss perspective, but I think it'll end up being ultimately a good thing uh, for Nebraska. Heck, it's good for everybody, the fact that they're getting another year under their belt to play football, and so you got to at least check it up as a win in that category. Former Buckeye linebacker Bobby Carpenter is with us, part of the uh, Morning Juice uh, in Columbus at Carp 3 is where you follow uh, Bobby on Twitter. You, you're, you're locked in. You, uh, on social media, were pretty transparent about, you know, just the elbow grease that went into this. From a behind-the-scenes standpoint, can you expand a little bit just the work, at least, that went into this from 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 your earshot, what you heard, what you know uh, went on, not only with Nebraska, with Ohio State, with some other Big Ten teams to get this thing done? Well, I think a lot of it started, obviously, with Nebraska and the fact that they didn't allow it to be a unanimous message to where everybody consented to not playing. And so that opened up a crack in the fact, well, there must have been a vote then. Well, who voted what? And then you obviously have the lawsuits coming and through discovery, some of that stuff started to get leaked out. And I think some of these presidents were hoping to hide under the cloak of anonymity and not have to have any responsibility to you know, fan bases and alumni groups and players that are very passionate about this game. You think about you know, four of the biggest ten stadiums in college football reside in the footprint of the Big Ten. You know, there's a reason for that. 
And so moving on from there, once you know the, the 15 or 5-minute testing was put out by Abbott and the White House obviously got involved and yeah. said, we'll help provide that testing, a very small percentage of the actual $150 million would have been required for football. And so then that opened up a lot of questions. Well, if safety was the number one concern, this helps alleviate that. And that's when a good friend of mine, former you know, Ohio State Buckeye, a Stanford MBA, he played in the NFL for five years, Anthony Gonzalez, who's a congressman out of uh, the, the Cleveland area, helped started brokering some of these deals, talking to some of the Big Ten coaches, filling them in on information. And then, you know, talk, you know, I talked to him and, you know, remember senior aide of the White House. And it's just like, okay, the, these presidents have to begin to feel a little bit like there's a possibility to get this done. And so they need to understand that there's an appetite for it as well and an appetite for it to be done safely. And so then it became getting on the phones and calling everybody I could at different schools and universities, different coaches that I had played for, and getting them all to, you know, to steal a line from P.J. Fleck, kind of row the boat in the same direction saying, here's what are the facts of the situation. This is how it can be done safely. And I probably spent you know, 50, 60 hours over an you know, eight- to ten-day period trying to help negotiate some of those phone calls and put people in touch with the right human beings and to understand what could be done and how it could be done safely and then really get that message out to the, the public at large so that they could begin calling you know, maybe some of their local and state politicians and also ultimately maybe voicing their displeasure to some of the university presidents, because here, here's the one thing about those presidents, too. They, they're used to being there for the, the ribbon-cutting ceremonies and for announcements and breakthroughs in science and engineering and all these great things. They don't ever have to go to a podium after a game and answer why they chose to run this play on third and eight or why they chose to punt on fourth and one instead of go for it or what their clock management situation was like. So I don't think they enjoyed maybe all the public scrutiny that came their way. And as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't because they addressed it and acknowledged that it wasn't impacting them. So that means that they at least were hearing it. And that probably means it was making an impact as well. Bobby Carpenter's with us. We're talking return to play Big Ten, the schedule unveil. Tell me where you think Ohio State is at. They've stayed ready. Nebraska stayed ready. I know Penn State and Wisconsin had to pause. I know Michigan's been keeping after it as well as this shakes out it's ohio states to lose and that's you guys are loaded you're coming back with a great quarterback a tremendous head coach got to reload a little bit but that's what you do defensively tell me where ohio state's at and then what's the gap like behind the buckeyes in your opinion how how sluggish a start do you think there may be in the big 10 or do you think the big 10 is going to be in a better spot no, I think it's going to vary by team. And, you know, what they were doing, you know, during this time of ambiguity, you know, were they locking in? Were their guys working out? Because, number one, you have to be in physical shape to be able to play. Right. And so I think a lot of these schools, you know, they kept their guys working out, you know, 12 hours a week. They did some individual work. They kept them kind of moving around football-wise and doing some of the things that they needed to do. Um, so I think that that was, uh, you know, that was a big piece of it, doing those things. And then so as soon as the opportunity came where they would have the ability then to start practicing as a team, which is what we're starting to get into now, you can get into that a lot faster because you're not worried about the physical component and having guys you know, ready to play from a, you know, a, a wind standpoint mm-hmm. and from a fatigue standpoint. Bobby, a, a thought. Is it better to get Ohio State out of the gate or, or at all? I mean, kind of, <laughs> let's, let's just look at it from Nebraska's point of view as it'll be uh, the big noon kickoff, of course. Uh, things are set up. The two loudest teams get to, to kick off. 
Uh, Nebraska got steamrolled a year ago at Memorial Stadium by Ohio State. It was a close, tight ball game two years ago with uh, year one of Scott Frost. That was a great ball game for Nebraska, a little bit of a surprise to a lot of us. And uh, now it's year three with two guys that are, that are Chip Kelly guys. Uh, is there a good time this year to get Ohio State? I think you always want to try to get people early in college football because you don't have preseason games, and especially with a season like this, there could always be some continuity issues. And so if you can get a hold of somebody before they've settled in, before you, you know, they, they're fully established a rhythm, because Ohio State's going to probably do pretty much what they did last year. So you're going to understand the scheme. You've got a returning quarterback. It's just how greased up are they and how confident are guys in their roles. So if there's an opportunity to kind of jump on them and maybe have people wonder a little bit, I would say it would be early in the year as opposed to, you know, week six or seven. Want to go NFL here for a couple of minutes with you. Bobby Carpenter's with us. He's uh, part of the morning show with uh, the fan, the morning juice. And, of course, you see him with Greeny uh, on Get Up on ESPN. So you're in Ohio. You're a, you're a native Ohio, and you spent seven years in the NFL. What's your take on Joe Burrow? Just two games, but I'm interested in your thoughts. What's the, the vibe and the buzz around Burrow? And I know since he's 0-2, but what are you seeing? Well, I think uh, everybody's going to openly acknowledge that he's, he's one tough dude because they're not giving him a whole lot of protection. And you're throwing it 60-plus times as a rookie, um, and not because you want to, but because you have to. And I think I, for the games I've watched, I mean, you couldn't really ask him to do a whole lot more. He fared very well. You know, he had... You know, really bad interception on, you know, he's kind of scrambling around a shuffle mm-hmm. pass in his first game. But outside of that, I mean, he's really composed himself very well. He's kept his team in games. And he let him down against the Chargers for a chance to win the game. They get a bad offensive P.I. call, and then they miss a chip shot field goal to go to overtime. So you couldn't really ask a whole lot more from the guys. So they've got good skill position, but their offensive line needs to be improved dramatically. And if they can get that done, I think there's a chance – you know, for them to win some games. But I do think that he is a guy that people look at now and think, man, like, he may not have the, the ceiling of a, you know, of a Kyler Murray or you know, someone like of a Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. but he has the ceiling of a really good NFL starting quarterback, and his floor is extremely high. And so I think you feel really good if you're the Cincinnati Bengals having this guy because he's a leader, he's a worker, and he's talented enough to win you a lot of ball games. You spent time with New England in your career. What did you think of that finish in Seattle last night? You know, I think they went to the well one too many times, you know, trying to run the quarterback power. I'm surprised, you know, that they, they did that on the final play. You put the ball in your best player's hands and let them try to go get it. Um, Seattle knew it was coming. They had great penetration, had a great push. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen them give them a run-pass option. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I guarantee you Belichick looks at that film and is thinking, you know, my goodness, these guys were playing run all the way. If we leak a tight end out, yeah, I, I probably could have thrown it to him. So, you know, you learn a little bit, you know, with, with a new quarterback, and it's the first time he's really had to do this at length outside of the Matt Castle era, you know, the, the one year for that in the last 20 years. And, and he's a lot different than any quarterback they've had before. So they're going to learn and grow, and I, I know this about Bill Belichick's team. They're a heck of a lot better week 16 than they are week two. Dallas, you spent a lot of your career uh, under Coach Parcells. And I don't know what Jerry uh, would be doing today if, if they didn't come back, but what a finish. Great game by Zeke and, and Dak. What's that uh, climate like in Dallas after a loss? But what, more importantly, what's it like today down there after that comeback win? Well, it's probably a little sigh of relief. And you don't want to be start, you know, eating the cheese and, you know, taking a little fool's gold. Let's, let's not forget, you were down big in the first half, yeah. down nine. You know, with a couple of minutes left, 
And if it wasn't for Atlanta misplaying an onside kick, and give Dallas credit, you know, give Fassel credit, you know, they sat there and dialed up essentially the, the water, the watermelon roll, if you will, <laughs> to be able to score, to be able to get that ball back. I mean, no one had ever seen anything like it, and so they think the players kind of panicked somewhat. But you know, they had two faked punts that were ill-advised that didn't go through. And like McCarthy says, he wants to play aggressive. I, there's a difference between you know being aggressive and you know being foolhardy a little bit. And so I think that they've got to find that happy medium because there's huge expectations in Dallas this season. And the weight of those expectations in the Lone Star State, I mean, they, they can break you as you get off to a slow start. And they were very, very close to going 0-2. So this week is a huge week for them to try to get on the right side of the ledger. Bobby Carpenter's with us. Bobby, last thought, 30 seconds. Will we have fans in Big Ten stadiums by week three? Um, I think there'll be maybe some version of fans. It may be something like what you're seeing in the NFL. Some people are having 6,000, maybe some people have 10,000. I don't think you're probably getting more than 25%. Um, and I think it's going to maybe vary by state. And so I think that that will be a possibility. I hope, it is. I hope that it can be done because I think it can be done safely. Bobby, thanks for the time. We'll do it again. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some college football. Welcome in. Multiple-time New York Times best-selling author, college football insider, 20-year veteran at Sports Illustrated, co-host of the Jay Barker Show down in Bama. We say hi to uh, native Nebraskan and Lincolnite Lars Anderson at Lars Anderson 71. Lars, did you uh, you pop some champagne this weekend with Nebraska? Yeah, I, I saw that quote that uh, Bill Moose gave to the uh, uh, Omaha World Herald saying that he wasn't exactly <laughs> popping the champagne, unlike uh, his colleague at Ohio State. Look, it was obvious. It was transparent. It was pathetic. It was petty. As far as I'm concerned, that's who Kevin Warren is, petty. The Big Ten absolutely screwed Nebraska. There's just no other way to put it. Uh, they screwed Nebraska when it came to the schedule. And look, I, I understand they're already uh, down on the slate to, to play Ohio State, to play Penn State, you know, the two best teams from the other side. I get that. It's sort of like how they put it together and forcing Nebraska to go on the road week one. As Bill Moose pointed out that, you know, it's the first time, you know, they'll be on a charter plane, first time in a hotel, uh, first of all, of all this. And I'm not the only, and, and the fact that Nebraska plays five of the AP top 25 teams, and Ohio State plays two. This looks like a, a vengeful, pitiful act of uh, revenge because and retribution because, in my view, and again, I, I'm not living it day by day, and, and I, I look at it from the 10,000-foot perspective, and, it, you know, I'm, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, but I certainly have sources all throughout uh, the Midwest and in Nebraska. This is uh, all because that Nebraska won and Scott Frost came out and said right after uh, Big Ten canceled the season, all right, we're going to go try to find our own schedule. And this was also Frost getting the backing of the administration for that. This is about the 
lawsuit that was filed. This is about the attorney general of Nebraska who just wasn't going to back down. And I firmly believe, firmly believe that without Nebraska's insistence and without Nebraska being the proverbial thorn in the side, and I, you know, as a writer, I hate using cliches, but I'll use it there. Uh, without without Nebraska being the the gnat that uh, Kevin Warren couldn't couldn't just get away, we wouldn't have a Big Ten season. Because what Nebraska did, and I, I talked to some of my Ohio State friends, uh, what Nebraska did is they made it okay for Ohio State to come out and Justin Fields, Ryan Day and say, look, this is uh, not right, what's happening here. It gave space for, for Jim Harbaugh to come out, even after you know Nebraska was blasted by Michigan's most famous alum, Desmond Howard. I wonder what Desmond Howard thinks of Nebraska now after telling a national audience that uh, Nebraska should be kicked out of the Big Ten because they didn't just want to shut up and take their ball home. I have very little tolerance for, for people like Desmond Howard, and I know he heard from Nebraska fans loud and clear. I don't know if he's given a mea culpa, but he, he certainly should. I'm not the only one who has this opinion. Paul Feinbaum, who's very dear, close friend of mine. For about 12 years, Paul and I had lunch twice a week at this place called Nabil's in, mm-hmm. in Birmingham, a, a Greek place. And Paul absolutely eviscerated Kevin Warren and the Big Ten for this act of retribution on Nebraska. Now, all that being said, and, and I, so I put this out on my social media, right, and uh, on Twitter, and I got to say, the, the vast majority of Nebraska fans were like, hey, bring it. Let's play the schedule. Yeah, it's going to be brutal. Yeah, we may only win two games. I know the over-under. I think Vegas just came out. The over-under for wins for Nebraska is five. The Big Ten did everything in its power again to screw Nebraska, in my view. Lars Anderson's with us and uh, has been a long time covering college football at the national level. Co-host the Jay Barker show down in Tuscaloosa at Lars Anderson 71. Lars, you're right. And I think that's the attitude probably of Nebraska's head coach and the Nebraska fan base. Fan base. Let's let's go. Let's go do this thing. The schedule is the schedule. You know, pre-COVID, Nebraska's close was going to be at Ohio State, Penn State, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, Minnesota. So it was going to be a death march finish. Things got shifted around. This is <laughs> this is the third schedule that's out, <laughs> okay? So is Rutgers an easier game than Penn State? Sure. Does Rutgers want to play ball? Not really. I'm anxious to see where Nebraska's at from a competitiveness standpoint. They've got, uh, you know, this is year three, and you got a lot of dudes back. So am I expecting wins? No, but I'm expecting a better level of competition. And quite frankly, it's time for Nebraska to start winning some games against Wisconsin and Iowa and Purdue, and let's keep things a little tighter than the embarrassments against, you know, Nebraska's not that far removed from taking Ohio State to the brink uh, in, in year one. Let's see how it shakes out. The, the schedule's fine with me. The way 
way the schedule is stacked is something that can be discussed. What's the order? And your order is Ohio State, Wisconsin, at Northwestern, and then Penn State. Those first four are very difficult, probably the most difficult start of, of any team in any conference this year, you could argue, aside from uh, who, who's the uh, who's the squad that drew, who got hammered? Didn't Missouri get, like, hosed with the SEC reschedule? <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, Missouri, so, so Nebraska and Missouri. Missouri, Missouri <laughs> yeah, yeah, Missouri uh, didn't get any favors either. So, um, But they're new. But, yeah. Well, we're, we're having this discussion today. You know, who, who's actually had a better time in the SEC since they came into the conference, Texas A&M or Missouri, you'd have to say Missouri. Yeah, they, they got played in two conference games. champions. Yeah. They played in two conference championship games. Texas A&M hasn't sniffed one. Alabama is now a twenty-eight point five point favorite. Uh, that's that's a lot of points. Alabama is the overwhelming favorite in the SEC right now. And to me, it, it, it just it, the Big Twelve has been terrible. So uh, just terrible, uh, and, and so it's not doing Texas or Oklahoma any favors. I wouldn't be surprised if if we get maybe two SEC teams in, and the Big Twelve perhaps gets shut out. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, it's also early. It's just great to have college football back. I think it's going to feel more like a normal, at least certainly here in the South, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that uh, it's going to feel more like a normal college football week, the opening uh, weekend of the SEC play, and just by coincidence, uh, all throughout uh, uh, our area here in the South, uh, the temperature has finally dropped. It's in the mid-60s. It's the Christmas in the air, and people are just really excited, you know, really, really excited. And I and I know there's only going to be about 10,800 fans in Missouri. You know, I, I think everybody's just happy to have college football back. Good to get caught up with Lars Anderson. few more minutes with Lars on the other side. We'll get his take on some NFL thoughts. And Lars is the biggest Bengals fan you know. And you may not know one. You may know a few more now with how things are going, but uh, we'll spend a few more minutes with Lars Anderson. Loaded up show, Bobby Carpenter was with us, took us behind the scenes. I didn't know Gonzalez, the old whiteout, is now a congressman that helped get things in motion politically. Yeah, that was a really is, interesting interview. That was awesome. pretty good. Thanks. Uh, McBride loves it, man. He is all ready for football, so... Uncle Charlie was with us to get things kicked off. Greg Smith will wind down. More with Lars Anderson next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Lars, before we go, I got to get your take on on Joe Burrow. I know he's heading into week three on the road at Cleveland, 61 pass attempts, three touchdowns. Will that Cincinnati team that doesn't have a good good offensive line to, to stay in at really handful of really good NFL games? But the uh, long suffering Bengals fan that you are, man, you gotta you gotta be smiling a little bit about your quarterback. Yeah, the Bengals have found the quarterback as long as he. Uh doesn't get stays alive you know 
permanently hospitalized. Uh, yeah. Jonah Williams has played really well at left tackle, former first-round pick who missed all of last year out of Alabama. So there's hope with that. A.J. Green, he's missed the better part of the last two years with uh, leg injuries, and he's just turned into an average receiver. He can't get separation. Okay, but all that being said, you know, through two weeks, what team has uh, had the most offensive snaps in the NFL? It, it's uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's because Joe Burrow has been able to convert on third and medium. Has been able to convert, I think, on Monday night or on uh, Thursday night against Cleveland. He was four for four on fourth down conversions, and he just he just he makes these throws through the first two weeks where you you just can't believe it. Uh, you can't believe it. And it's not necessarily like this overwhelming arm strength, but he just uh, he can just put the ball in a place that you didn't think anybody could put it there. So he's he's got tremendous accuracy, and uh, what I keep hearing is that he is the most upside physically of any quarterback to enter the league since Andrew Luck. But we know what happened to Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck got pummeled in his first few years, and he only lasted, what, seven, eight years in the NFL. The Bengals have got to prioritize offensive line play. But, yes, it'll it'll be interesting to see Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Joe Burrow, three of the youngest, uh, most exciting quarterbacks in the league in the same division for the next decade. And that is if, if Baker Mayfield can keep on keep playing the way he did uh, on Thursday night. And, and also, I, I'll say this really quick about Baker on Thursday. Yes, he had a nice night, but his backside only hit the turf once, and that was after he threw a really bad pick in the red zone and a Bengals player took a cheap shot at him. Uh, but that was, he, was never, he was never hit when he dropped back to pass. And so it's easy to go 18 for 25 or whatever he was. So I, I, I still think the jury remains out on Baker because he was so bad in week one against Baltimore. And, uh, and, and now Cleveland is going to have to decide, are they going to pick up his fifth-year extension at the end of this year? I don't know if they will or not. I, you know, is, is Baker Mayfield more impressive than Mitch Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky? Trubisky's been pretty good this year. I still think uh, Baker has, has a lot to prove. But, yes, uh, uh, Joe Burrow certainly through two weeks looks like the real deal. Lars Anderson with us, uh, joining us, Sale Varsity Radio. Follow Lars on Twitter at LarsAnderson71. Lars, thanks for a few minutes, man. Thank you, Chris. Take care, bud. Got to love talking to Lars. We are loaded up this week. Uh, excited to get ready for football as it is back. Mitch Sherman tomorrow. Big Ten buffet time, Rick Pizzo. Fox play-by-play, man. NFL and college. Tim Brando with us. Talk to you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. Thanks for checking us out.